Huh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good. I, I hope you all had a great Christmas. Uh, we had a fun, a fun week, fun week with family. Uh, lots, way too much food. Anyone too much food in your house this week? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think those cinnamon rolls that are out on the table, I think that needs to be like the last thing this year. Uh, right? New, Year, New Year's resolutions, less baked goods, more, more vegetables. Amen? Right. <laughs> no. I actually like vegetables, so it's not too hard. It's just I also really like sugar. Um, well, you know, we get to the end of another year. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm like, I can't believe it's December 31st. It's just flown by. And we say that every year, but but truly, you get to the end of the year and go, where did, where did it go? And, and, and invariably, what happens at the end of the year, we, we tend to take stock. We look back over the past year um, and, and just think through, well, what happened this year? What did this year look like? What, what things did I have in my heart to do at the beginning of 2017? And, and, and how did I do on those things now that I'm at the end of the year? Did I accomplish what I set out to accomplish? Am, am I in a better place than I, was at the, uh, than I was at the beginning of the year? Or simple questions like, am I happier now than I was at the beginning of the year? Am I content? And so those questions go on and on. But here's the thing, if you, whether or not you would characterize this year as a good one or not, there tends to be, at this time of the year, a renewed focus and a commitment to do better next year. Am I right? To say, I'm going to grow more. I'm, I'm going to accomplish some more goals. I'm going to overcome struggles as I enter this new year. I want, to, I want to end up at the end of 2018 better than I was at the beginning of 2018. And it's interesting that really the only thing that's changing is a number, right? A seven and it is turning into an eight. That's the only thing that's changing. There's nothing cosmic that happens. There's no, right... Tomorrow will be a day just like today. Yet, yet mentally and emotionally, uh, there's some motivation in stepping into something new. So for me, for instance, um, I'm one of those people, if I'm using like a legal pad, I can't just like flip to a random page and start writing. Right? I can't skip pages. Or, or maybe you're like me, if you tear off a page and there's like little bits left at the top, I have to tear those off. I can't, I can't leave those there or if I'm in a journal I can't I can't skip uh, I have to have or if I'm, if I'm writing new a new set of notes I need a new page I can't just add, like draw a line and keep going anyone else anyone else like that right I look at the new year as kind of like a new page it's a blank page uh, it's a new opportunity a new uh, new vision fresh vision fresh energy uh, after you get over the flu, uh, to get into this new year. See, the problem is this, though. We have an inclination or even a predisposition, I would say, to try to do things in our own strength. Anyone? I will try harder. I will try harder this, this year. This year, I will try harder to get in shape. I will try harder to save. I will work more. I will be more determined. Isn't that a funny one? I'm determined to be more determined. And by January 3rd, you're like, okay, maybe not as determined as I thought I would be. I will be more disciplined. 
I will trust more or less, depending on how 2017 went. I will save more and spend less. I will get out of debt. Or, or I like this one. I will get my Christmas shopping done earlier next year. Right? Anyone already set that goal? Yeah. Anyone just really thankful for Amazon Prime? Right. See, the problem here is it's I, 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 I. And the best resolutions with the best intent when done in our own strength, really by the third, fourth, fifth day of January, at least by the third week of January, tend to fall flat. If they're not things we were already doing and already disciplined in, the change of the number from a seven to an eight is not magically all of a sudden going to cause you to do things better. It's just not. Now, some people might just have that inclination towards that, that more disciplined life. But, but I imagine in those cases, your list is probably pretty short of the things you need to accomplish. If you're something like me, I've got a pretty long list of things I know I need to do better. Yet, I've had that same list for a long time. And, and it kind of is weary to have that same list and feel like, well, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm making a lot of headway, a lot of traction. See, I believe this, and I believe it because I believe the Word of God tells us, and we'll back it up with the Word here in a minute. The key to greater growth, victory, transformation, and restoration is not striving. It's not striving. It's not you trying to exert more effort. It is pressing into the only place or person that can bring about the change we truly need. It's interesting that the name of our church is not Strive, right? Come to Strive Church. Try harder to be like Jesus. Come on, that's good. Strive Church. No, it doesn't work. It's Thrive Church. Why? Because it's when we're connected to Jesus, when we press into who he is, and we stop trying in our own strength, and we start relying on him and being connected to him, that everything changes. We just sang about that, and we declared it by shouting out his name. It is only by the name of Jesus that our lives are saved, that our lives are transformed. Here's how Jesus put it. John 15, verse 5 through 8. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Read this, these next words with me. Ready? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do a few things. Apart from me, you might be able to overcome. Apart from me, you might be able to accomplish a little bit. No. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are, branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The key word in here is the word remain. Remain. See, an apple tree doesn't strive to produce apples. It gets planted, it gets established, its roots go down deep. And as it's watered and as the sun shines, 
It does what apple trees do. It produces fruit. And Jesus is saying to us, if you don't remain in me, if you don't stay connected to me, I am the vine and you are the branches. You are an offspring, an offshoot of who I am. And if you don't remain, you can do nothing. A branch cut off and lying on the ground by itself cannot produce fruit. So the title of my message this morning is Pressing In to Press On. Pressing In to Press On. See, because at the beginning of a new year, what we want to do is press on to those things, right? And it's biblical. Paul talks about that, and we'll read that verse out of Philippians in a minute, that we'll press on. But I think in our culture, in our day and age, that pressing on takes the forefront and pressing in takes a back seat. That we get busy, and when we get busy, we get disconnected. And when we get disconnected, Jesus says, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. I have a feeling I'm going to need a little bit more water. Someone could give me another cup. That'd be great. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. So when I was a kid, as I was thinking about this message this morning, the Lord reminded me of something that happened when I was a kid. We, we grew up in a place where uh, there was a drought. It was South Africa, and, and, and when I was a kid, there was a severe drought. And so you could use water out of the tap for cooking and bathing and all of those things. And it was very limited. We had severe restrictions. So as a result, if you wanted to water your yard, you, well, you couldn't use the city water. And so what people started doing was uh, they drilled a well or what we called in South Africa a borehole um, in our yard. And we were allowed to do that. It was permitted that you could... Uh, have a truck come and, and drill a well in your yard. And so I remember as a kid, this truck pulling up in front of our house. And uh, thanks to my mom who actually found this picture for me, I, I texted her. I said, hey, mom, you have a picture of that truck that showed up? This is, this is in the early 80s that this happened. So this truck pulled up. And of course, I was a kid and I was like, oh, this is cool. This truck is in our yard. In fact, he backed up into our driveway right into our grass and they started drilling for water right in our yard. There was at our church, one of the pastors named Dr. Villiers, who uh, had done his area of study was in, uh, in geology. And he had done his doctoral thesis on the ridge, on the mountain ridge that we lived on. And so he understood the geology of, of this particular ridge. And so the day that we got ready to, to drill, Doc came over. Thank you so much, brother. Um, Doc came over, and he stood and watched the, the, the drill rig, watched the operators, and gave them instructions. Because as they started drilling down, the, the sediment started coming out, and it kept changing colors as it would go through the different strata, the different levels of the rock. Now, if you understand the way that water works and underground, there would be these reservoirs, or they call them sumps of water, where the groundwater will seep in, and it will fill up these reservoirs. And the way that the, the drilling company would operate, they would, they would pressurize the drill bit and it would blow the water back up through the hole. And as soon as they would hit water, they would stop. They would say, we've gone far enough. We found water. We're good to go. But Doc, because he understood what was under the ground, told them, no, don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. He said, what you've hit is a really small pocket. And if you stay there, you'll empty that pocket within a matter of minutes, 
and then you'll have to wait for that, that cavity to fill back up with water. He goes, there is an under, underground reservoir that is much bigger. Keep going. And so they kept drilling and kept drilling. And I remember, even as a kid, that, that the foreman was really bothered. He was really upset because their job was just to find water. They found water. They accomplished what they needed to accomplish. But Doc said, no, no, keep going. Keep going. And they kept pressing through and pressing through. And they went twice as deep as what our neighbors across the street. In fact, you can see their house in the background. They had stopped when they hit that first sump. We went deeper, almost twice as deep. And we hit another sump. And I remember there was so much water coming out of that hole. Our house, our front yard was built on a little bit of a grade. And I remember there was like a foot of water just in the, in the, the bottom part of our yard. It was just flowing out. And everyone was just shocked and, and surprised. And, and so they end up, they cap the, 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 the hole and they put in a pump. And um, our, our well, our borehole, we could let the water run all day long. In fact, there was so much just pressure without, the, without a pump, just pressure pushing the water out from the ground. You know those sprinklers that kind of go over like this? Yeah. Uh, we lived in a two-story house and that would, the pressure would shoot, that, that sprinkler would shoot over the top of our house. It was huge. Now, our neighbors across the street could run their sprinklers for about 20 minutes, and they would be out of water. They would be done. Started thinking about this idea of pressing into Jesus. You know, sometimes we press in, and we hit a little bit of water, and we stop, and we think that's good. Why is it that we start out with such good intentions and then seem to run out of gas, run out of steam, Run out of momentum, fill in the blank, whatever analogy you want to use. I believe it's because we press in just enough, but not enough. Right? The, the water that our neighbors had was good water. It was the same water. There just wasn't enough of it in reserve to sustain what they needed to do with it. And it took an expert coming and watching the process and saying, don't stop, keep going. Keep pressing in. Keep going further. Keep drilling down into, into the deeper parts because there's something hidden there that will bring refreshing in your life or for in that case, in our yard. For us, we have to press in before we can press on. Before we can set our goals for the new year and make our resolutions and, and have these grand ideas about what we want to accomplish, I, 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 we have to stop and say, God, I want to press into who you are. Jesus, I want to press into your presence. I want to stay so connected to you. I want to stop striving in my own strength to accomplish something, and I want to remain in you so that there would be refreshing that comes from your presence in my life. So that those obstacles and the things that I would face this next year, 2017 held untold obstacles for our family. Things that we never had on January 1st would have ever dreamed would happen this year. Things that caused incredible pain in our families, in our, in our, in our extended family. Financial challenges that we did not anticipate Things that went just wrong, even this morning, being here with this gravelly voice going, I didn't plan on getting sick. This is not what I intended for this last week of my life, but here I am. All of these obstacles that come up, but when we remain in Jesus, when we press into him, he says, you know, I will see you through those obstacles. I will help you overcome. And in the midst of it, you're not just going to get through and happen to survive. 
you truly will thrive. And I just tell you, that's not the name of our church just because it's kind of catchy. I believe with all my heart that God has designed us and fashioned us to thrive. But as Jesus says here, we cannot thrive apart from him. We cannot. It's not possible. There's two stories in scripture that I want to use to illustrate these points. We're going to talk about pressing in and then pressing on. Pressing in and pressing on. The first is the account of the woman with the issue of bleeding, and it's found in Luke chapter 8, verse 42. Let me read the verse here, starting in the second portion of verse 42. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. In fact, I'm going to pause for a second. Thank you, Melissa. This is a painting that is uh, in a church in the city of Magdala or the town of Magdala on the Sea of Galilee. Um, It's a huge mural. In fact, it takes up an entire wall in this church. It's in this community. It's in the city of Magdala where they believe this, this, this took place. This, this lady pressing in, and we can see her hand just touching the edge of his garment. And so here's what I want you to do. Rather than putting the words up on the screen, would you just meditate on this? Could you just imagine what it was like for her? Put yourself in her shoes as much as possible. And what, what she was enduring in this moment. Just listen to these words. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, of course, Peter, Master, (laughs) the people are crowding and pressing around you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What a moment. This lady was stuck. And stuck in ways we can't even imagine. She had this issue of blood, this bleeding problem for 12 years. And and, in our context, uh, could go really unnoticed. But in a Jewish context, in that culture, she was unclean. Which meant she was separated from other people from the community. She could not have any physical contact with anyone else. She was separated from being able to worship because the the law required, because of this issue of blood, that she could not go into the synagogue or into the temple to worship the Lord. So she was separated from being able to worship with the community. She was enduring pain and sickness, isolation. says that that she had... uh, been seeing doctors for 12 years and no one could help her 
She had spent all of her money, so she was in debt. She had nothing left. Rejection, fear, depression, disillusionment. Can anyone relate? Her situation was completely hopeless and debilitating. And then Jesus shows up in town. And this thought is birthed in her mind. You know, if I would just go and see him. See, Jesus had a reputation. But she knew because of her situation, because of her uncleanness, she couldn't boldly come up to Jesus and say, hey, here's my problem. Because she would have risked touching other people and making them unclean. And, and really, the ultimate punishment for that could have been her life. So she quietly navigates her way through this crowd until she's in arm's length of Jesus. And we don't know if she touched a, a hem on the top, upper part of his garment or if she truly went in underneath and touched the hem down at the bottom I like this picture because there's such a humility about it. All she says is, if I can just touch the hem, if I can just touch his garment, I'll be made well. She comes humbly and desperately. And instantly, instantly, she is made well. Instantly. Think about this church. After 12 years of suffering, she's made well, and she knows she's been made well. Because when Jesus says, whoa, 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 what just happened? Someone touched me. And of course, Peter opens up his mouth and says, listen, Jesus, there's a big crowd around you. There's a lot of people touching you. Come on. I don't know if he said it with that kind of attitude, but I interpret like his heart like... Which is funny because we're going to talk about him in a minute. Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not that someone bumped into me. Someone touched me with intention. Someone pressed in to touch me. Someone touched me because there was a need. And power went out from me. And again, this lady has to be bold and brave. And she stands up and says, it was me, and she explains her circumstance. Again, not an easy thing to do. Private, very private, in the midst of a crowd. But she says, this is what happened. But Jesus, I was instantly healed. My life has been transformed. Like this lady, we have a lot of obstacles in our lives, and a lot of those things are very private. They're not things that we share on Facebook or Instagram or on Sunday morning at church. Now, believe me, there are those few people on Facebook and Instagram who share everything, right? You're like, whoa, 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 TMI right there. I don't need to know all of that about your life. But for the most part, we don't openly share the things that we're really struggling, struggling with. Can we be real for a minute? Like we come to church and, and the Despite our best intent, we, we put on that smile and go, ah, everything's great. Knowing that below the surface, everything isn't great. And we try and fake it. 
And the obstacles are there, but, but I want to acknowledge them, at least not to people around me, because I have to maintain the pretense. See, there's countless obstacles in each and every one of our lives. And I believe this, that the enemy's goal is to leverage those obstacles to keep you away from the presence of God. That he wants to use the challenges in your life to keep you away from Jesus, not press you in closer to Jesus, which is exactly where you need to be. Amen? He wants to leverage those, leverage those things against you, especially in the places where I'm in the circumstances I'm in because I messed up. I made a bad choice. I gave in to temptation. I thought something, I said a word. I had an attitude. I had a fight. I, I, I was unwise with my finances. Fill in the blank. Especially in those places. The enemy goes, you can't go to God with that. And you definitely can't tell other people about that. And what ends up happening is that we become separated we stop remaining and we start believing the lies of the enemy. It is his primary goal. Listen to this out of the book of 2 Corinthians, the letter to the 2 Corinthians, verse three, verses 17, uh, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. And we all, who with face, unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, we press in to see His face, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This lady pressed in, in her brokenness, and had an encounter with Jesus that was just the touching of His hem. But she gazed on His face, and the Spirit of God moved out of Jesus in a, in a way of power. And because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, this lady experienced freedom. Because we're being transformed, and when we press in and when we remain in Him, we're transformed into His likeness and into His glory. Now, now, make note of this. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not, there is this, not there, if there is freedom, then the Spirit of the Lord is there. Let me say that again. It says where the, the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not if there is freedom, then the Spirit of the Lord is there. It's a key distinction. See, because I believe that we can live our lives as believers in the second place. That I've got to work harder to deal with my stuff so that I can be closer to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, be closer to me and I'll help you deal with your stuff. Can I get an amen? Satan wants to keep you away from the presence of the very person and the very power that will transform your life. And he does that by deceiving us to make us think we've got to do it in our own strength. I'm all for setting goals. But if those goals are done in my strength, it keeps me away from Jesus. It doesn't allow me to press in to who he is. The key for us to understand this it's not get better and then come to God. It's not get better and then come to God. It says come to God and get better. Come to God and get better. And in the same way that this lady had to press through the crowds, risk being 
shunned, risk being exposed. She was just sick and tired. I've been sick and tired. I'm desperate. Jesus, I'm desperate for you, and I don't care anymore. I'm going to where you are because I, can know, I know you can make a difference in my life. And he did. And what did he say to her? Your faith has made you well. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. This rabbi, this teacher, doesn't use the law to beat her up. He embraces her and he says, I love you. You've been made well. You've been embraced by the power of God. So here's the thing for us, church, in 2018. Let's find out where Jesus is and meet him there. Let's find out where Jesus is and meet him there. For this lady, it was in the town of Magdala. It was one of the most incredible things about being in Israel. And I'm going to just talk about, I was feeling bad the other day. I'm like, maybe I'm talking about Israel too much. No, I don't think so. Because it was so amazing to walk in these places where Jesus was. That people, the crowds came to sit where they, they, they thought the feeding of the 5,000 happened and people knew he was going to be there. And so they just showed up. Why? Because why wouldn't you want to be where Jesus is? That for this year, the desire of my heart and your heart would be this. Find out where Jesus is and meet him there. We understand this, that the presence of God is everywhere. But the awareness of the presence of God is so often lacking. Jesus doesn't want me to just think about him. He wants to spend time with me. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to have an intimate and close encounter. You can't remain on the run. You can't remain on the run. If your life is so busy and you're so set about accomplishing your goals and, and, and you're not spending that time, you're going to miss the powerful touch of Jesus in your life. So find out where Jesus is and meet him there. So you might be wondering, well, where is Jesus? And maybe you know. And you're saying, well, he's in my, he's in my heart. <laughs> where Jesus, his, his presence is with us. But there's something about pressing into the glory of God. Three quick things. Press in in prayer. Press in in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 is a familiar passage. Do not be anxious about anything. Looking at this new year, don't be anxious about anything. What are you anxious about for 2018? Bring it to Jesus today. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Let him know. But can I tell you there's more? Don't just stop there. That's a starting point because God knows we got to get some of the stuff out of, our, out of the way, the things that are distracting us. But there is a deeper hunger that needs to develop, a hunger for his presence, a hunger to sit quietly and meditate on him, to have quiet moments throughout our day where we just sit and listen, where we gaze on his face where we think about who he is. If you want to set things back on track in your life, stop and start thinking about Jesus and stop thinking about 
the circumstances. Press in in prayer. Ask Jesus to show up. Ask the Holy Spirit to just invade your space, your reality. You know what I love about this? It's not complicated. He doesn't say, listen, you have to go between 6 and 7 p.m. to a specific place and go through specific motions to, to make sure that you encounter my presence. Those days are gone. He says, I will meet you in your car. I will meet you in your bedroom. I will meet you in Starbucks. I will meet you in church. I will meet you anywhere you ask me to meet you. Develop a hunger for the presence of Jesus in your life through prayer. To sit and listen. You're going to hear over the next, back next Sunday, I want to encourage you to start the new year out. Uh, by making sure to be here in church. We've got a few things coming up, starting a, a series this uh, next Sunday, which really focuses on the vision and the mission of our church. It's a great reminder. What is Thrive Church all about? <clears throat> Four Sundays, we're going to talk about know God's grow as a disciple, serve like Jesus, and go into all the world. And be reminded of why, God, why we believe God's called us to be where we are, who we are, for such a time as this in this community. We're going to talk about some practical things that are coming up this next year that will help you move forward in your walk with the Lord. And included in that is some opportunities to pray. Opportunities to, to take time out of your week and gather with other believers and press in in prayer. And so I'm excited to share those with you. Uh, we're finalizing some details, so I'm not going to share those yet, but be here next Sunday. But develop that hunger for the presence of God. I just want to be in a place where I'm like, God, I just need more, 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 more of you. Like that lady pressing through the crowd. Press in in the word. Press in in the word. Back to John 15, the, the preceding verses, one through four. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. Which, by the way, even if things are going well, sometimes there's pruning that happens, right? We're like, oh God, why are you doing this? And he goes, I'm making room for more. This is uncomfortable. It's okay. There's going to be a greater reward at the end of this. Verse 3, you all are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. There's a powerful verse, church. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You don't have to do anything else. Know what God is speaking about you and for you and about your future, and you will have an understanding of what he's already accomplished that you don't have to strive towards. One of the greatest weapons we have is the word of God. Why? Because when I know what God's word says about who I am and what he has for me, I can, with those words coming out of my mouth, remind the enemy and remind myself about who I am and what God has for me. And then I can live in alignment and in accordance with that. Jesus says to the disciples, you are already clean. I love that. Not, hey, if you just work a little bit harder, Peter... 
John, if you're just not so prideful, Luke, if you know, if you just stop focusing on the knowledgeable aspect and the intellect, no, he just says you are already clean. Why? Because of the word that I've spoken to you. If you're already clean because of the word, you need to know the word. Allow his word to saturate your life. And then he goes on to say, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. God's word can and will transform your life. And it's not, a, it's not an if. It's an absolute. And, and you talk to anyone who is pressed into the word of God. And I mean press in. The idea here, like picture that, that drilling rig. Doc, Doc had to stand there and go, listen, keep going. And they're like, we found water. We kind of got to what we need already. And he goes, it's not enough. And yes, you're going to encounter different levels of rock that are going to be harder to press through. I don't want to get up in the morning. Not a morning person. But I know this. If I don't get up and read the word in the morning and spend time in the presence of God in prayer and in the word, my day can be pretty messed up. Because then I have to rely on my own strength. So I have to press through not being a morning person. I have to press into the presence. There's work. The striving is not to accomplish. The striving is to, to get rid of the distractions. And so there is effort required on our part. But God's word will and can transform your life. Meet Jesus in the midst of community. Meet him in the midst of community. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. That's it. Can't get any more straightforward than that. You are a part of the body of Christ and you, each of you is a part of it. What he's saying here is you are not designed for isolation. You're designed for community. You're designed for relationship. And here's the thing. As, as your pastor, as a friend, I can't make you be in relationship with people. I can't make you be in community. We can create opportunities for community but you need to determine where are the places where I'm living in community with other believers. Read the second chapter of Acts and look at how the early church, one of the key distinctives about the early church was they were all together and had everything in common. Why? Because when you're in community and you're living with people beyond arm's length, we're actually getting to know each other and there's a safety and a grace that exists there where you can start sharing about the things that you're walking through. The power and the lies of the enemy are undone in that place. Jesus said, when two or three are gathered, I am there in their midst. That's significant for us, church. We're not designed for isolation. Isolated Christians are in trouble. So we meet Jesus when we're with each other. Now, this is not an arm twist to, hey, make sure you're in church more in 2018. That's not the goal. The goal is not occupying a seat. Can I just tell you? The goal is not occupying a seat. The goal is to connect with each other, to live in community. 
Jesus spent three years walking all over Israel with the disciples. And I imagine that those times that he spent walking everywhere, camping out, sitting around a fire, was them just asking questions, having conversation, laughing. Jesus enjoyed laughing, having fun, sharing a meal. And in the midst of that, transformation happened. Where did the disciples hear his words? Right? They didn't read it. They literally heard them sitting around a campfire. You're not designed for isolation. You're designed for community. So let's make sure this year that we connect in the midst of, communi- midst of community, that we press in into those places. I know for some people that's not fun. I know I'm like, you know, I would say, hey, introverts in the room, raise your hands. I won't do that to you, right? You're like, no, don't. But we all, the most introverted person on the planet is still designed for relationship and community. And then pressing on. Once we've pressed in, we've gone through the layers of sediment. We've, we've, we've recognized that this isn't enough. I want more. I want more of Jesus. I want to get through the crowd. I want to get through the obstacles. And I want to touch Jesus. Then we have what we need to press on. Then we're equipped, we're refreshed. I love the picture of the water, especially like right now, because it's great. (laughs) It's refreshing. It's refreshing. When we're refreshed in the presence of God, now all of a sudden those things that we need to accomplish, we accomplish in His strength. And the mountains are no longer mountains. Because as the psalmist says, the, the hills and the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. He says he takes the crooked paths and he makes them straight. So now rather than running on a trail that's all over the place, just a nice clean road like that one, right? I can just go, hey, I know where I'm going. It's tough. It's tough to press on when you look back and go, wow, I made a lot of mistakes. There's things that have stood in the way. We could ask, I could ask questions. Hey, have you ever dealt with unexpected financial problems? Have you ever had any diagnosis or, or health issues that popped up, right? Any, any uh, relational tension that's made its way into your life? And every one of us, I don't have to do the survey because we understand that every one of us, not one of us is insulated from that or exempt from enduring hardship. But what we can't do is let it stop us from moving forward. As we press into Jesus, as we're refreshed in his presence, he then catapults us. He catapults us. You know how I know this? I told you we're going to talk about Peter for a minute. See, Peter made a mess. If there was anyone in scripture, especially in the New Testament, who made big mistakes, it was Peter. And, And what's so amazing about it, is John loved to point out Peter's mistakes. If you read the Gospel of John, man, John was like, and then Peter did this. And he's like the little brother. Mom, you won't believe what Peter did while you were gone. Right? Now, Peter was deserving of most of what he heard, of what was said. Peter made a lot of mistakes. Of course, the biggest right at the end where Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. And you guys, are, you're going de- to deny me. And Peter goes... No way, Jesus, not me. These other bozos, yeah, 
I can see them doing it, but not me. My name's Peter. I'm, I'm your guy. No matter what happens, I will never deny you. And Jesus says three times. You're going to do it three times, Peter. And it happens just as Jesus said, even to the point that on the third time, Peter was in such proximity to Jesus that Jesus looked at him and saw him. And Peter was broken. He was broken after that encounter. I messed up. We've all had those moments. So in John 21, verses 3 through 8, this is what happens. Peter speaking here. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. All right, let me pause. Peter went back to what was familiar. He went back to what was easy. He went back to what was comforting. He went back to what was his source of income. He'd been walking with Jesus for three years. And when things got hard, when he messed up, Peter just defaulted back to the thing that was just the norm, quote unquote, for him. Can I just ask you this morning, what, what is that in your life? What's the norm? What's the easy thing? What's the, the habit? What's the hang up? What's the, the place of control that you fall back to when things get hard? When you've made mistakes, we all have them. Peter had them, you have them. Peter goes, you know what? I'm going back on the water. I'm going out to fish. And of course, everyone around him goes, I will go with you. We wield influence in our lives, especially in our families. So when I make choices for my own life that affect my family, my family's along for the ride, whether they like it or not. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, guess what? They caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, by the way. John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Said to Peter. So John tells Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped up and wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water and the other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish. For they were not far away from the shore, about 100 yards. I'm going to show you a picture. This is the Sea of Galilee. And this is, the, this is what they believe to be the exact beach where this took place. And the day that we were visiting there, there just happened to be a boat about 100 yards off of shore. I, I, I took that picture. And, and it's one that I'm going to actually, if you, in a couple of weeks here, if you come to my office, you'll see that hanging on my wall. There's a few pictures that just really meant a lot to me. It's this point where Jesus calls out and they recognize John says it's the Lord, but it's Peter who presses in. Peter presses in and he says, I have to get to him. Knowing that he's made all these mistakes, knowing that he denied Jesus, he goes, I have to get to Jesus, and he swims back to the Lord. And when he gets there, Jesus is already has, has a fire going, and amazingly, he already has fish cooking over that fire. And what does he do? Jesus doesn't stand there and go, told you, Peter. 
told you, told you you're going to deny me, because that's what I would do. Called it. No, he, he serves him a meal. He says, come, friend, sit. Let's, let's partake of a meal together. Of course, now the other disciples are grumbling because Peter bailed out of the boat and they're left the hall. And they're like, Peter, it's your boat. Dude, come on. And they finally get to shore and they join Jesus around the fire. And, the, and this encounter that happens next is so powerful. It says this, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, in front of everyone, by the way, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know well, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. It's known as the restoration of Peter. And Jesus doesn't ask Peter, hey, do you know what you did wrong, right? No, he says, do you love me? Can we put the picture back up? To sit in this place, recognizing that maybe 2017 caused you to be sitting out in the boat. Going back to the things that are familiar. But I believe that Jesus is calling out to you, saying, would you come join me on the shore? And let me remind you that I love you. And let me ask you, do you love me? And what's attached to those three questions is an assignment. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. What he's telling Peter is press on. We've got the love thing out of the way. We've established that I love you and you love me. That's done. You're connected. You're clean. You're forgiven. Now, I've got work for you to do. And just a little while later, it's Peter who gets up after Pentecost, Pentecost and preaches a sermon in which 3,000 people give their lives to the Lord. Different person. Why? Because he had an encounter with Jesus that allowed him to press on to the things that God had for him. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this. Or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Can we stand together?
<clears throat> Can I tell you, Jesus knows where you're coming from this year. He knows what you've walked through. He's seen it all. And in fact, he's been there with you through it all. But I believe on this last day of 2017, Jesus would beckon to us and say, would you, would you press into my presence? Would you hunger for me the way that that lady pressed in through the crowd? Would you be so desperate for me that you would risk your reputation and even your life to just spend a little bit of time with me, just to have a glimpse or a touch? Now, here's the great thing. We get so much more than a glimpse or a touch. That we can come boldly before the throne of God. That he would invite us to press in to receive the refreshing. But then there's a secondary invitation and he says, would you press on? I have an assignment for you. And in the midst of me healing you, in the midst of me encouraging you, in the midst of me empowering you, I'm going to send you. Take care of my sheep. Feed my lambs. Do the work that I've called you to. I believe that this year, that over this congregation, that God is going to release visions and dreams as never before. That places where there have been gaps and stumbling blocks and bad habits and old ways, that God is going to bring healing and restoration. And I want to believe, and I want you to believe with me and pray this prayer over our church, that by the end of 2018, that we could have a service at the end of next year where there would just be a line of people around the room waiting to share, this is what God has done in my life. So Father God, we declare that. Jesus, we press into you. We choose today to press into your presence. Not just a bit. We want more, more, more. I pray that as we develop and, and grow a hunger and an appetite for you, that it would increase. An increase, an increase, that it truly would be insatiable. Thank you, Jesus, so that when we press in, we find you, that we can remain, and when we remain, we bear fruit. Thank you, God, that you're calling us out of the things of the past. As Paul said, Lord, we forget what's behind, and we press on to what's ahead. Not in our own strength, but because of what you've done in and for us. We're going to finish with a worship song. And our prayer team is available. And if during this, this time of worship, if you want someone to pray with you and just agree with you, if there's something that you just need agreement in an, in, in an area of breakthrough or encouragement, we'd love to pray with you. And believe that God will bring about the thing that you're desiring in your heart. Let's worship together.